and Pastor Dave host the service. Anybody else love it? I love it because I learn more about him when you put him on the stage for five minutes than in like a two hour conversation. Like today I learned he's the guy that orders the cheese platter on a flight. I mean, that's always there on the menu, but who does that? So anyway, well, last weekend was the Super Bowl and some of you watched it, um, but it's, it's one of our traditions where we uh, compete to figure out who's the best, right? That happens every once in a while. We have the Olympics, we have the World Cup and um, whatever happens with baseball, you guys know. And the Super Bowl is a big deal. <coughs> but uh, we like to have that competition. We like to know who's best, but you know what comes uh, in a close second finding out who's not the worst, right? We love to know that we're the best, but we also love to make sure we're not the worst. And I'll demonstrate it for you. Have you ever been running late to a meeting and you know you're late, you're stressed that you're late, but then you turn around and there's that glorious person that's like 20 steps behind you. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, I'm not actually late because they're last, right? Yeah. Or if you're driving down the freeway and you know that you're going way too fast, but then here comes that one car that zooms past you and you get that righteous indignation, right? Like, who do they think they are, right? You know you're going too fast, but at least you're not that guy. And it's probably a guy and it's probably a truck and it might just be this guy. I am driving a lifted Dodge Ram truck. My lifted Dodge Ram truck has blinding white LED headlights positioned exactly at eye level. I am currently tailgating you in the right lane, even though you're going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, and the left lane is open. There are Monster Energy and Box Racing stickers on the rear windshield of my lifted Dodge Ram truck. There are perfectly clean mud tires and massive chrome rims on my lifted Dodge Ram truck. I make $31,000 a year and thought that that was a wise financial decision. So at least we're not that guy, right? See, often we measure ourselves against other people, not to find out that we're the best necessarily, just to find out we're not the worst. And you get bonus points if you can clump a group of people together, right? Like everybody who drives a lifted Dodge Ram truck is that, right? And lawyers are always this. And people from California will just forget about it, right? It's, it's, we love to clump people together because it makes it easier to put us above a whole other group of people. We get those bonus points. And it might feel like we're getting better and better when in fact we're actually pushing others lower and lower. Well, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at ALC. And like Dave uh, talked about, we are in the middle of a series called One Another, where we're looking at that phrase, uh, one another. If you spent time in the New Testament and the gospels and, and the letters and the rest of that, we see this phrase over and over again, one another. And actually, you can read through and see that it's a marker, not just to followers of Jesus in the Bible, but as we follow the track of the church over and over again, and all the way to us today, it's a marker of those who follow Jesus that we one another really well. Or at least we should one another really well. We've talked about loving one another. We've talked about encouraging one another. And today we're gonna talk about forgiving one another. And so if you have a Bible with you and you wanna follow along, we're gonna be spending most of our time in Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven, that's Matthew, Mark, 
Luke, if you want to find your spot there. Um, But we actually, we find the clearest statement of this phrase, forgive one another, in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. We read in Ephesians chapter four, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, this is a classic move from Paul. Paul's letters rarely include just instructions on on what to do, but often a lot of things on what not to do. These letters have just about as many don'ts as they have do's, and he tends to call out tendencies that he knows his readers have. It's important when we are reading these letters to remember we're reading somebody else's mail, that these were letters from Paul to people that he knew, uh, that people he had interacted with, people that he had a, a message for. And so uh, he knows their tendencies. He knows uh, how they're going to receive this information. It's very similar to if you were to tell your kids to clean their room and you know them and you know you don't just have to tell them to clean their room. You also have to tell them don't throw everything in the closet, right? You have to tell them what to do. You also have to tell them what not to do because you know them. And so we get a kind of a doozy here when Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Now, there's clearly some relationship issues happening here. Like That's, that's some pretty uh, big stuff. So before we even start talking about forgiveness, before we even get there, you got to knock off those harsh words, that anger, that slander, that bitterness, that rage. And, and you know what? In fact, just cut out all the evil behavior. You know what I'm talking about. Like, just stop it. That's kind of the message that we're getting here. Uh, and I love when we get a list and then it just ends with a big clump. All types of evil behavior. And now once that's all settled, we can start talking about what it looks like to move forward and follow Jesus together. And that's where we get these three statements. Be kind. Be tenderhearted. Forgive one another And not just forgive one another, forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, this forgiveness is rooted in something. It's the only one that comes with that specification, right? It's a reflection of the way that God has forgiven us. It isn't just something that we muster up. In fact, as it's it's phrased here, it's a response. And it's not just a response to another person, It's a response to our relationship with God, how God postures, how God presents, how God acts toward us. You know, often we think of forgiveness as a response to another person. In fact, we usually think of it as a response to an apology. And we all heard this when we were kids and you did did something wrong, right? Say you're sorry. And then the adult, the grown-up, turns to the other kid and says, now say, I forgive you. Whether or not you do, you just got to say it, right? And we run through these motions and we learn that apology and forgiveness go hand in hand. However, apology and forgiveness are separate things. You see, it's possible to apologize and yet not be forgiven, right? We've all had that experience or the flip of that experience. And it's also possible to forgive without ever receiving an apology, See, apology is the wrongdoer letting go of the weight of what they've done, right? We hear things like, I gotta get this off my back, right? Or I gotta come clean, I gotta get it off my chest. It affects the offender, right? I I gotta come clean on this. 
But forgiveness is letting go of the weight of what someone else has done to you. You're saying, I'm, I'm done holding on to this grudge. I'm done being bitter. I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna move forward. And that can come without the existence of an apology. So you think about God's forgiveness. God isn't just like waiting for an apology. He isn't begrudgingly and bitterly like, I'm not gonna do anything until they apologize. That's, that's not how God approaches us. God has already forgiven us. That's why we use phrases like accept God's forgiveness, receive God's forgiveness, because forgiveness is something that God freely offers God has already made that decision to forgive us and in doing so has shown us the freedom that comes from forgiveness. Pete Enns wrote, forgiveness is about deciding what kind of person you want to be, what path you will walk, what kind of life you want to live. It's a decision to conform to the image of Christ. And that decision is, the, is before us moment by moment and more often than we might think. So now we're ready to jump into our text, Luke chapter seven, because we need to see what does this forgiveness look like? Just as God through Christ has forgiven us, let's see how Jesus forgives. Uh, so we're gonna start in Luke chapter seven, uh, starting in verse 36. This is Jesus being invited to a dinner party in the middle of his ministry. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have a dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on him. When the Pharisee who, was invi who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. Well, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Now, whether it's your parent or spouse or boss or teacher, this isn't something you want to hear. I have something to say to you. <laughs> that means I've done something. I'm going to hear about it. And what's crazy here is what does Simon do wrong? He, he saw this woman come into his house and, and wash Jesus' feet with perfume, and his first instinct was to push her down. But notice, not with his actions, not with his words, with his thoughts, right? He had said to himself, and Jesus uh, saw his, uh, answered his thoughts, right? And so before these thoughts even became actions, before these thoughts even became words, Jesus addresses them directly, and in perfect Jesus fashion, he uh, decides to explain this whole thing in a story. So we'll continue in verse 41. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said, uh, said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You notice the focus here is on forgiveness rather than sin. 
We're talking all about forgiving debt. And I think we can make those connections of what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus hasn't addressed the woman's sin. He hasn't addressed Simon's sin. Instead, he's comparing their response to forgiveness. The assumption here is that both Simon and the woman have received forgiveness. But in regards to their sin here, because of that, they're on level ground. Their debt's been canceled. Their outstanding balance is zero. But the woman felt a level of relief that Simon didn't feel. She felt this relief from debilitating sin. And Simon here is acting as though he didn't have much to forgive in the first place, just like 50 pieces of silver. It's kind of the difference between having a really good tax return pay off your credit card that was maybe a little bit overdue, right? That feels good. But what about if someone were to completely pay off your house for you? Now that's life-changing, right? That's a level of debt that can completely alter the course of your life. And of course, there's all sorts of nuance in that. Uh, But we see here this level of of forgiveness and the level of response being compared to one another. Let's just finish the story here in verse 47. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said, uh, said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? Don't you love that? Who do, who's this guy think he is? Forgiving people. And in case it wasn't already clear, Jesus is saying this extravagant display, this, this display that we even have a hard time picturing of what this woman has done in the presence of Jesus. It wasn't an attempt to gain forgiveness. It wasn't an attempt to gain favor or or any, any of that. It was a response. Jesus is saying she's done this because she is forgiven. She was forgiven when she walked in the door. She has come to respond. But Simon, Simon, you've been forgiven too. I just haven't seen your response. This is what we're hearing here. And that makes sense. Simon hasn't been forgiven as much. At least he doesn't think he's been forgiven as much because he's measuring down instead of up. And in fact, in this scene, Simon isn't even focused on his own need for forgiveness at all. He's just making sure he's not the worst person in the room. He's thinking, man, if only Jesus knew what kind of person this was. If only he knew. And it's so easy for us to fall into that trap Right? Maybe we've been having a really, really hard day with our kids, but then we see someone else's kids throwing a tantrum. Man, at least, at least I'm not that person. Yeah? At least my kids aren't like that. Or maybe we've done something really wrong and we we're ready to apologize to our spouse and we've, we've prepared, we know I'm gonna go and apologize and make things right, but then they do something wrong to us. And we're like, oh, I got it. Now it's about them, Right? See, now, now I, can, I can push down, I can measure down instead of up. I'm not the worst person in the room. If someone else is lower than us, we can shift that focus and never have to face what we've done, said, or in Simon's case, thought. Right? We rarely, rarely consider that. But consider again God's posture toward us, forgiveness. The woman in this story was forgiven before she walked in the door. She came to accept this forgiveness, express this deep gratitude. 
And if God's posture towards us is forgiveness, then our refusal to face our own wrongdoings is also turning a blind eye to that forgiveness. It's saying, I don't need that, I'm good. Do you, do you see that other person? They're the ones that really need help, right? Why don't you give some attention to them? And in other words, our judgments of other people can blind us to the forgiveness of God. See, God's forgiveness can't transform us if we act and talk and think as though there's nothing to forgive. As long as we keep pointing to the wrongs of other people in order to avoid addressing what we've done or thought or said, we're closing ourselves off to God's work in our lives. We're saying, I'm good. I've got it handled. And, and here's the thing, do, do wrongs need to be addressed? Absolutely. But wrongs need to be addressed in order for things to be made right, not so that you can avoid facing your own stuff. Right? There's a difference there. There is a difference. So uh, let's go back to our, our second verse in Ephesians here after we get past the don'ts. Here's the do's. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Once again, our forgiveness is rooted in God's forgiveness. Before we turn to one another, we have to recognize and accept God's radical forgiveness of us. We have to know what it's like, what it is to be forgiven, what it feels like to be forgiven, to, to be able to respond to that forgiveness, to acknowledge even that it's there, to face what we've done and said and thought, and then just accept that incredible radical truth that God has forgiven us. And I recognize everyone here has a different story, a different background, different experiences. But I know that some of us in this room have been begging God for forgiveness for years, maybe decades. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus. I tell you, her sins, your sins, my sins, our sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. See, God's posture towards you is forgiveness. God's posture towards you has always been love and forgiveness. I also recognize that some of us may have never made a decision to accept God's forgiveness. And maybe you're a little bit of both, right? Maybe you've been avoiding facing your own wrongdoing. Maybe you've been pushing others down, kind of deflecting that attention. Maybe the wrong things that you've said or done or thought are so many or so great, you've thought there's no way God could ever forgive me. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus. I tell you, her sins, your sins, my sins, our sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. See, when we acknowledge our sins, when we receive the forgiveness of God, it isn't God who changes, it's us, right? We are being reconciled to God and God has been faithful all along. God has been unchanging towards us all along. It's us who choose to turn, to recognize I need forgiveness, I've been wrong, I wanna move forward. I want to, to experience what God has for me when I'm free of this. 
So I just wanna take a moment, if that's, if that's you, if you've just been begging God for forgiveness for years, or maybe you've never even considered accepting God's forgiveness. Maybe today's that day where you just recognize, ah, God's, God's posture towards me is forgiveness. God has forgiven me. It isn't Jesus saying, okay, now that, you've, now that you've washed my feet, now you're forgiven. No, it's that perfect tense of the word, you are forgiven. And let me pray with you. If that's you, let's pray together and just receive that together. God, I thank you. I thank you that we don't initiate this process of, of forgiveness, but God, that you have chosen to be forgiving towards us, to make that a very part of yourself, that you approach us with forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. And today we recognize that we've said wrong things, that we've done wrong things, that we thought wrong things, things that don't honor you, things that don't honor others. And God, we look to you. We receive your forgiveness. We're deciding to move forward together. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, we're, we're gonna have, have time at the end of the service. There's gonna be plenty of prayer partners up here that would love to talk with you, pray with you, respond with you. But you see, when we respond to God's forgiveness, we make a decision to step into freedom. We're free to move forward knowing that we can be honest with ourselves, that we don't have it all together. We're not like Simon. We're not like the person with 50 pieces of silver. We have some stuff that needs to be forgiven, that needs to be addressed. And when we can own up to what we've done and commit to changing and acknowledge that God has forgiven us, it changes our posture towards God. And it changes our posture towards other people. We stop measuring down. We stop pushing down. Let me read our text from Ephesians one more time. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I said at the beginning, one of the primary marks of followers of Jesus was and is one anothering really well. As a church, we're committed to living out God's extraordinary story the way Jesus showed us. And this means to be a community that recognizes and receives that incredible forgiveness from God, but also to be a community that reflects that incredible forgiveness by forgiving one another by forgiving one another well. And remember, forgiving someone isn't letting them off the hook. They still have to deal with their own actions, their own thoughts, their own words, and the consequences that come with them. Now, forgiveness is letting yourself off the hook. Author Beth Moore wrote, the brutal honesty or brutal irony of unforgiveness is it keeps us bound to the very people we most want to be free of. They are roped on our backs and go everywhere we go. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a freedom. It's coming into agreement with God to cut them loose and put them in his hands. See, some of us need to cut someone or something loose to experience this, forgive, uh, this uh, freedom of forgiveness and choose to step forward, choose to move forward. And I wanna recognize forgiveness doesn't happen in a moment. Forgiveness is a process. 
It's a continual decision. And for, for many of us, there are steps to get there. Steps in order to truly forgive someone. It might be working with a good counselor and processing some things. It might be having some conversations with a trusted friend. It might be having conversations with the person you're forgiving, depending on the circumstance, if that's a safe place. And depending on how hurtful, how impactful the offense was, it might mean taking space from that relationship for a while. Because it can be hard to process, it can be hard to move forward when that person's around, when you're having to interact time and time again. And it can be absolutely healthy to say, I forgive you and I can't hang out with you right now. And I know some of us need to hear that. That forgiveness doesn't mean that we need to be buddy-buddy again. Forgiveness doesn't mean I need to trust you again. Forgiveness means I am moving forward. Forgiveness is a posture we choose over and over again, not because it's natural to us, but because it's natural to God. The ongoing choice to, to forgive is part of becoming more like Jesus. It's part of living out God's story the way Jesus showed us. So let's not only be a community that is drawn together by the forgiveness of God, though that is what we are at our core, but let us also be a community marked by our forgiveness of one another, allowing God's forgiveness to transform us, to allow us to walk in freedom. Let's pray once more together. God, once again, thank you that we don't have to muster up forgiveness that you have given forgiveness freely. And as we turn to one another, we are reflecting what we have already received. So God, thank you for demonstrating to us the beauty of forgiveness, the beauty of just letting go of that rope, of moving forward in freedom to not allow our bitterness, to not allow our grudges to continue to burden us, but to move forward. God, I pray that we would take safe and healthy steps to forgive one another, to forgive those that we love, to recognize that there may need to be distance, but there may also be need to be some drawing near to one another. But God, it's our decision to forgive, to step forward, to experience the freedom you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.